Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays go to 8-3. and three. They spoil another home opener, this time the Chicago White Sox with a 5-1 to one win. Blake Snell was tough again, allowing six hits and striking out 11. Get this, the Rays are just the sixth team in Major League Baseball history to allow one or no runs in seven of their first 11 games. Just amazing. We've got a national champion in basketball. The Virginia Cavaliers go from worst to first one year after that embarrassing uh, loss to becoming the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. They are national champions, beating Texas Tech in overtime, 85-77. DeAndre Hunter with 27 points, 22 in the second half. And the Wahoos made all 14 free throws attempts in overtime. We'll talk about that in the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're back on the ice on Monday. And so was Victor Hedman. What's the future of the uh, Lightning defensemen? And finally, Jameis Winston did an interview on a faith-based podcast, and he was pretty revealing about some of the changes he's made in his life. You'll hear from Winston today. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Where for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100, and you can take advantage of this great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning unit, or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. All right, Steve, as I mentioned, uh, the Rays just keep rolling on. They had an afternoon game. In fact, all their games are in the afternoon in Chicago against the White Sox. This was the White Sox home opener, and they win 5-1. to one. Blake Snell was dealing again. He uh, allowed just the six hits, as I mentioned, but the strikeouts were the thing. He got into trouble a little bit late in that game, and uh, I think it was the sixth inning, got in a little bit of a jam, had the tying run at the plate, um, the three, four, and five hitters coming up, and all he did was reach back and strike out the side. Um, and so, you know, the, the pitching continues to be the story with his baseball team, but they're also doing a pretty good job of uh, getting, you know, getting some runs early and then sort of turning it over to their pitching and, uh, and letting them go the rest of the way. Yeah, it's been really impressive what they're doing. And this road trip's kind of weird, too. You mentioned the day games. So a nine-game road trip, San Francisco, Chicago, Toronto, eight day games. That is crazy. The only night game is Friday night in Toronto. They played three day games in San Francisco, three in Chicago. I believe Saturday's like a late afternoon. It might be like a 4 o'clock start, something like that. But, but yeah, only one night game. And the Rays are actually 4-0 and at night. They're only 4-3 and during the daytime. But, but no, they um, – look, I mean, Chicago – I remember a few years ago them struggling. They always play Chicago in April, and it's always freezing cold up there, it seems right. like. Right. Remember Sam Fold making a great catch up there mm-hmm. in, in April and was fro- frozen to end like a losing streak up there. And last year, I believe they played up there, although actually the weather was decent today, so which was nice to see for them. But look, I mean, Blake Snow was dealing today. I mean, you know, Chicago couldn't figure him out. The Rays get on the board early again, 
you know, that's been nice too. They're playing with the lead a lot. They are. And yeah, even though they're not scoring runs. a ton of runs, I mean, they're scoring enough, obviously, but you know, they're not they're not one of the most prolific offenses in baseball as far as runs scored, but they're scoring early and giving their pitchers leads. And man, it's so much easier to pitch with the lead. Whether you're a starter yeah, or a reliever. It's just it's so much easier. Absolutely. When you when you turn it over to a guy like Snell, you figure you don't need that many runs and they didn't, although they had opportunities and this is sort of if there's one trend, you know, you're always looking for where can the Rays be better? It's it's hitting with runners in scoring position. They had a lot of opportunities to just kind of blow that game open. It was a four to one game for a while, four to nothing, then four to one. And uh, I don't know how many guys they left on base and with runners in scoring position, but there were enough that were you know one on any given day that could come back and certainly catch them maybe against against lesser team or better teams. Um, but you know, once again, I think the other thing that's starting to show up with this uh, with this baseball team is the fact they can run. Um, you know, remember last year, this was a team that ran themselves out of entire innings and entire games. They weren't smart base runners and they weren't very good at it. Um, they've got some guys that can steal bases. I think Tommy Pham already has five stolen bases. They, they run at the right times. They're aggressive when they need to be aggressive. They force the issue. Um, they got a lot of runners to third. They had a couple uh, batters walked in. That was the story for the White Sox could not get the ball over the plate. I mean, it was just, uh, it was a game that uh, I don't care which team you're rooting for. You felt like, okay, is this thing ever going to end? I think they played about four and a half hours, but um, you know, so it wasn't a it wasn't a a masterpiece by any means. Um, but they're just so solid and and solid out of the bullpen. And really, you know, their bullpen had been used up quite a bit in San Francisco. So, you know, for Blake Snell not only to go out there and pitch well, but to pitch deep into the game like he has been doing, he's been pretty efficient. And Hunter um, Wood got his know, first career save too. He Outstanding the last job innings. by Hunter. Yeah, three innings. So they didn't have to burn any of their bullpen. Yeah. They'll have everybody available with the exception of maybe Hunter Wood uh, today. So Yeah, they called him uh, up and sent Christian Arroyo back down to Durham because they needed right. the, the arms and the bullpen. And and that's probably the way it's going to be most of the year as mm-hmm. they continue to use this this bullpen concept at least for one or two starts. Um, you know, we'll see if if they do something different down the road. Maybe, maybe Yanni Chirinos, you know, becomes a starter sometime. At some point, we'll see. Um, but you know, when you when you can run out the you know the three guys they have going now, and Charlie Morton will go today, um, and, and you know all the ERAs. I mean, how about this? Um, I believe it was a streak of when 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 finally thirty seven innings up, of starting yeah, starting pitching thirty five thirty five scoreless yeah. innings. Yeah, by Ray starter when he gave up a home run to Jose Rondon. That snapped the streak of 35 scoreless innings by Ray Starters, which is just, I mean, you, you just can't start a season any better than that. The and team so, ERA is 1.80. Yeah. The team. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and I, like I said, I think they can play better. I think that they can actually, you know, certainly they can hit uh, a little bit better. But, um, you know, again, how, how much, how many runs do you really need? And Well, you mentioned you know, the stolen bases. Do you realize they're second in baseball with 13? Yeah, and they haven't yeah, been thrown. They haven't been thrown still. out yet. No, they have not been thrown out yeah. yet. So, the, the Mariners have fourteen stolen bases, and third right. place is eight. The Royals and Nationals. Right. So you can force the action on offense. Uh, you don't need many runs to win. You're going to play in a lot of close games. The defense again was stellar. Now they do strike uh, out yeah. a lot. They lead the majors in strikeouts. They do. That's batting. They do. And they strike out with men in scoring position. That's the mm-hmm. thing that's that's starting to show up and. Like I said, you know, let's not pick nits here with an eight and three start. It still matches the best start that they've ever had. I think 2010 team that won the division did that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but this is the way you want to start a season. It doesn't guarantee you anything this early in April, obviously, but we've seen other teams like the Red Sox you know, going the other way. Yankees seem to be trying to right the ship a little bit um, you know, in, in their situation, but they've got a ton of injuries. I mean, half their pitching staff is down. So, you yep. know. I mean, the Red Sox the are five games back at this point. They're three and eight. So is Toronto. Yeah. yeah. It's a good place to put those teams. It really is. Well, and you just keep and, going. Now, the Red Sox yeah. have not played a home game yet, too. That Part of theirs is they, they played 11 road games to start the season. So they'll open right. today in, at Fenway. But this looked like such a daunting road trip to start the season. I mean, remember mm-hmm. just the schedule in and of itself, you know, opening – with the Houston Astros, considered by many the best team in the American League. Um, you know, of course, the big pitching matchup they had with Justin Verlander. You know, you win that series, okay, and, you know, then comes the Rockies, another playoff team. Um, you win that series. And then, then it was, you know, the, the road trip, uh, a very bizarre, hard-to-pack-for road trip at San Francisco, at Chicago, and then finishing in Toronto. They are still a number of days away from completing. This is a nine-day a nine-game tour that they've got going on here. So they still got two more in Chicago and then three in Toronto before they come home. Um, but they're certainly off to a great start. So um, just, you know, an exciting beginning for the Rays. And, and you know, hopefully they'll they'll continue it. If you're a Rays fan, you got to be enjoying it. Although I don't know if you're able to watch them during the day. That's, that's neither here nor there. Did you notice, too, also in baseball, Chris Davis, you brought this up before the podcast. Woof. Yeesh. He has now set a major league record uh, for the most consecutive at-bats without a hit. I want to say he went 0 for 5 um, on on Monday night. So I believe it's at, it's at 50 or 50, you know, around 50 or 51, I think, consecutive at-bats without a hit. Ouch. That's, that's, not, that's a major league record. And, and here's the thing. Remember, I mean, I read the SI story that he did at the end of last year. I mean, he's just about was you know, mentally – ready to check out a baseball. I mean, he's had he's kind of has a thing about not being able to hit right now, even though he did line out a couple times in this game. Certainly if a ball had dropped in there somewhere, it probably, you know, good for Chris Chris Davis, but he's not going to, you know, feel any better because he hit the ball hard. The fact is he's, you know, he's over 50-something, and so um, that's not a record that you want to wear. But you mentioned to me um, there's really no way for the Orioles to get out of this deal because they have they owe him so much money. So he signed a seven-year, $161 million contract in January of 2016. So he's in year four out of seven, where he's paid $17 million a year. So for the next three seasons after this season, he's still owed $51 million on that. Plus, Goodness. he has 15 years of deferred contract money of $42 million that gets paid from 2023 through 2037. Mm. It's the old Bobby Bonilla. He gets $3.5 million for – about the first 10 years and then 1.4 million for the last 5 years of that. For life, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, they still I mean, owe they, him after this season, they still owe him 93 million dollars. He I mean he's he even if he wanted to, it's too much money to walk away from and and for the Orioles, it's probably too much money to cut him. You know, cuz you you'd be strapped with that. So you you know, the the only choice you have right now is to keep running him back out there and hope that you know, somewhere along the line, you know, he'll start producing again. Um, but at times he's looked like he's just mentally checked out, like he doesn't know what he's doing at the plate. Although yesterday, like I said, they showed – and it became, you know, it was sort of like the anti, you know, record type thing that you see, you know, Pete Rose or somebody was going for, you know, to break, 
Ty Cobb's record or something, they flash in. But they would cut in to show his at-bats and say, yep, yeah, okay, he's one away from the record. And he'd make an out, you know, or he'd strike out. And it was kind of – it was awful. I mean, that's an awful situation to to have the, the you know, the world viewing you um, sort of through that lens. Because I, I hear he's not a bad guy. I don't know him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know guys that have covered Chris Davis. And, you know, it's just – it's kind of an odd story. It's, you know, what do you have, like 50 home runs a few years ago or something like that? Oh, yeah. He um, can, yeah, 53 in 2013. He had 47 in 2015. Yeah, he could mash. Yeah, but last um, year he hit 168 whew. and 522 plate appearances last year. 470 at bats and batted 168. Yeah. It's it's just so bad. It, it's it's not even – you don't even know what to say about it, but we're watching it. So that was history. Um, we also had uh, – we'll get to the final four here in just a minute, but the Tampa Bay Lightning were back on the ice – and so is Victor Hedman. So I guess, Steve, it looks like he'll be a go for Wednesday night's game against Columbus, the first playoff game. It certainly looked Bay like Lightning. it based on the reports from practice from Diana Neros and others that, you know, he was right there with the first team power play. Um, it was, you know, taking a spot right there in the normal defenseman role throughout all of practice. And, you know, it looks like he's probably good to go for Wednesday. I mean, they never tell you that ahead of time, particularly in the playoffs, but – as John Cooper always says, you'll have to show up Wednesday to find out. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people will. Um, certainly they'll have a sellout over there, and, and it'll be uh, well-received on television. But, uh, you know, the Lightning, it was funny because I was reading some of the columns and some of the stories. Um, this was sort of their first day back to work since the road trip. And, you know, the, the inevitable question is, uh, you know, will can they can they finish the deal, you know? Will this season be looked upon as one that was disappointing, regardless of the history they made during the regular season? And really, anything shy of a Stanley Cup, or at least going to the Stanley Cup final and probably winning it, would be viewed as a disappointment through any prism. We got asked a question. We know we do these roundtables, um, and and I'll ask you what you think. But uh, the the roundtable question for the staff was, uh, you know, should the Lightning I don't know, should they believe, but but is there anything to uh, the curse of the President's Cup? Is that something about, you know, they should be they should be wary of, not wary, but just sort of like, is that a thing? Is that a real thing? I think it's, you know, look, you know, you, you, you experience it during the regular season as well. When you're considered the best team, you're getting everyone's best shot. Mm-hmm. Now, in the playoffs, you get your best shot, but you're also the team that people have been watching all year long dissecting all year long, looking for any weakness or any any advantage. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, that's what teams do. They look at the best teams. For yeah. one, what can we do differently? But, hey, how do we beat them? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what you do all season long. The Lightning have been hands down the best team in, in hockey all year. So, right. you, you know, you see people going, okay, hey, we think we can exploit this. We can exploit this. Or, you know, hey, we if we do this, we think we can have success, et cetera. And, and look, so you're there, actually there's also the pressure more... of it. Yeah, I think the pressure is one thing, but just to back on Europe. So you think that those teams that are contenders are actually paying more attention to the Lightning than they are other opponents at this stage? I, you know, I'm not saying, you know, this week per se, but I think all season. Right, but during I think, the I think regular you tend season. To, you know, if you're going to watch a game, hey, let's. what are the Lightning doing? Yeah, Because, exactly. I mean, you know, good players want to watch other good players. And the Lightning right. have a and lot of good TV, players. they're on TV, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're on TV, but, you know, with now, you you know, anyone can get any game anywhere, anytime. Oh, sure. But if sure. you're going to watch one, why wouldn't you watch the Lightning if you're other players? And yeah. you're watching Nashville and you're watching Washington and you're watching, 
you know, the good teams. Yeah. I mean, I can't Here's imagine my... a lot of players are sitting around going, hey, let's watch the Buffalo-Arizona game. Although Arizona was actually <laughs> decent this year. But, you know, the, the L.A. Kings and Buffalo game. Woof. Yeah. Those two coaches got fired. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's my, here's my thing about curses, um, real or imagined. You know, first of all, when you, when you talk about, you know, championships, okay, let's not forget only one team is going to win it each year. Okay. One out of 31. So there's, there's a lot of teams that want it and, and literally only one is going to lift the cup. So, that means it's hard, okay? It's really hard. I don't care which team you're talking about that makes it to the postseason, but they all start at the same place in the regular season, and only one has a chance to skate away with it. So, and and for all the sports, I think I I think most people would agree. If you ever like in '04, it became obvious to me when I watched the entire um, you know every series and right up until the, they won the Stanley Cup in the Game Seven against Edmonton that it's probably the hardest trophy to win in that. It's a marathon. I mean, you've got a whole second season. You've got a higher level of play, a more physical style of play, injuries. Guys, I mean, you know, when you when you go and you look at that shot of the Tampa Bay Lightning after they won the Stanley Cup in 04, it looks like those guys were coming back from war. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, Marty St. Louis' nose split open. Um, there's guys that have been knocked out of the playoffs with injuries. Um, it is, a, it is a, a, a complete grind of attrition, you know, and, and who can keep – keep things together the longest right mm-hmm. both mentally and physically well not only so, that but one bounce of the puck one turnover absolutely one absolutely bad stop oh, sure. by a goalie and can change a whole game series playoffs you name it. i mean yeah you know in you basketball know, you're scoring you know 70 80 90 points you know that's the, right you know maybe 100 but in the playoffs it tends to be a little lower right you know so but it's one goal yeah i mean one yeah. goal can change it one you know, bad, the puck went off the end of my stick and they went the other way and scored. Absolutely. And, and, and now you've lost that game instead of winning a game you should have won. I remember a and, moment in the, the Blackhawks series early. Uh, Victor Hedman and Ben Bishop kind of collided on a puck. Yes. And it completely changed. I mean, the, the Lightning were, were controlling that game and it changed the course of that game and Chicago ended up going to win that game. I think it might have been the first game of the series. I don't remember which one, but I remember it, it was, was early. Yeah, it was a key moment in the series where it just kind of felt like momentum completely changed on uh, not a fluke play, but a mistake that they made. They didn't communicate very well, and they yeah. both kind of collided in the puck, you know, high up in the zone, and Chicago yeah. scored, and it completely changed everything. And if that happens in October, November, no one, and you lose a game, it doesn't matter. But the, everything's heightened. Sure. But, so that's that's number one. Is it okay? Let's agree. It's hard to win regardless of, of the team or the kind of season you've had. But the other thing is, you know, as far as the cup goes, I mean, I think I think having, you know, pursued this for as number of years that they have, I mean, they've come so close for so long with a lot of the same group, uh, and they've added to it, obviously, and they've gotten better, and mm-hmm. it culminated in this year. But, you know, the, the, the pressure is just the desire. You know, the pressure is we'd mm-hmm. like to finish this. The pressure is knowing that, You've gotten close before, and 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 when you can see the mountaintop, you'd like to stand on it one time. So you know the the, the pressure is something, and I you know John Gruden says a lot of things, right? He's my go-to philosopher. But <laughs> one of the things he used to say, which was true, he goes, "Yeah, you either feel pressure or you apply it." You know what I mean? Well, that's true. I mean, how about the pressure of having to play the Lightning? Okay, you you know they apply a ton of pressure with those four lines and that goaltender. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So, you know, that's that's sort of what you have to do. And and the other thing is, I don't think you can achieve what they have done even this year with being mentally weak. And to me, to worry about something like, well, you know, a team in the early 2000s or, you know, before I was even playing in the NHL, won a President's Cup but then flamed out in the playoffs, and there's lots of examples of that. It's not this team, right? Mm-hmm. Now, could it? Could they be added to the list? Of course they could because, again – The odds say one, they will be. I mean, they're, right, they're not 50% there's plenty of, odds to win yeah, that. Right, exactly. So, that you know, it's, it's, it's probably more likely than not – um, that the President's Cup team won't make it and win the Stanley Cup. I mean, Detroit, when they won 62 games, as you pointed out to me the other day, they didn't win the Stanley Cup either. They lost in the Western um, Conference Finals to Colorado. They didn't even make the right. Cup Final. But it's not going to be about a damn curse, okay? They're not going to be out there going, oh, God, we got the President's Cup. Get that thing out of the building. Like, that's not going to be what gets them. No. So I'm not a believer in curses. Sure, they might be, you know, on the tombstone of that somewhere if they don't, if they don't win it, Mm -hmm. but winning it is hard and they have the best team through, you know, to this point. Now they've just got to kind of finish the deal and, uh, and there'll be, everybody be gunning for them, like you said, and it doesn't take much for things to get sideways in a series or in a, in, in a number of series that they have to win. So we'll see, but what is interesting is they do not have a player that's won the Stanley cup on the roster. That is that is true. You know, in years past, they you know Val Philpola was part of the the run when they played Chicago. He had won one with Detroit before, right? Uh, you know that, but they do not have a player who's won a Stanley Cup. They, you know, last year they had Chris Kunitz. Mm-hmm. You know, they picked him as a veteran. He had won multiple four cups, I believe. Yeah, three with Pittsburgh, one with Anaheim. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think the pressure is more internal. Um, oh, sure. and, and, and you feel it from, you know, look, each playoff round, the, the amount of media coverage and it's the type of questions you get and you kind of get players probably get annoyed been, with but it. But they more. have I mean, been, the good thing is they've been to that. They've been through absolutely. that sort of thing. Like that can mm-hmm. eat on the young team up maybe the first time through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that part they can anticipate, which should actually help them a little bit maybe. Yeah. Um, For not having won know. a cup, the amount of playoff experience this roster has. Plenty. And almost all the players are under 30. I mean, only there's only a handful of players that are over 30. You're talking, you know, Girardi, Coburn, Strawman, and Callahan, I think, are the only ones over 30 on the roster. Right. That I They have know. a ton it, it, of playoff experience. I just find it hard to believe that you can be that talented and that much better. Like, they didn't just – like, some teams that win the President's Cup, they win it by a point or two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these guys lap the field, okay? And – I just can't believe you can be that much better than every team in the NHL for an entire season and and not not be able to perform and, and just suddenly Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. They turn into well, something a, a different. A couple years the ago, the Capitals dominated hockey, and not to the extent the Lightning did. Right. But they ran away they have with their the, own they, history. They ran away with the President's Cup 
a couple yeah. years ago, and, and they lost, you know, to Pittsburgh like they always do in the playoffs at that point. Right, right. You know, so, look, I mean, the odds still say the Lightning will not win the Cup. They're by far the favorite, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, gambling odds or just, you know, all the prediction sites that, you know, sure. predict, you know, who's going to win games, et cetera. I mean, the Lightning right. are the prohibitive favorites, but there's still 15 right. other teams in this playoff. Right. And and they're well, all good teams. Mm-hmm. And and in hockey where it's one bounce, one crazy puck, one, you know, shot goes, you know, ricochets off one of your teammates and past your goalie. Your goalie's standing on his head, but they bounce it off, you know, one of your defenseman skates and in your goal, and it changes everything. That's can, what makes or, that's what makes the hockey playoff so crazy and so great. Or or you can be that team that sure. that makes the goal and it gets yep. the bounce mm-hmm. and you know or Marty St. Louis, you know, does an unbelievable shot from an angle that is geometrically impossible to score in game 6 and you bring it home in game 7. I mean, you know, that's how they won the cup. So we'll see how it goes. I I just I I've never I'm a superstitious guy when it comes to sports. I mean, when I was playing or doing stuff like I, if in baseball especially, they're full of superstitions. If you're on a hot streak, you eat the same thing, you wear the same socks, whatever it is. I just don't believe in curses per se. Except I got an idea two. for the Lightning to help them get over this. Mm. Don't shave. <laughs> yeah, that's never been done before. Oh, wait, they all do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I believe in two curses. The curse of Doug Williams, which was lifted when Tony Dungy came and invited him back to the building, and they went on to win a Super Bowl a couple of years later. Maybe it was John Gruden actually hired him, so that wiped off the curse. And then I believe in the curse of um, – Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant. Those two are real. The rest of them I can't really speak to, but I know those two are absolutely true. <laughs> so there's that. Speaking of, uh, uh, of uh, one moment, how about one shining moment that Virginia had? Uh, is they win the national championship? Has Boy, that was just a team... a, that was just an awful game, as everyone predicted going in. <laughs> yeah, right. Low scoring, um, not competitive. It was a terrific game. It was a terrific Final Four, a terrific championship game that goes to overtime. Only the the first one I think uh, since two thousand and eight when um, Memphis mm-hmm. and Cam- Kansas hooked up. But uh, this one was that never, uh, that never was... happened. Memphis was never there. <laughs> they weren't there. That's right. They wiped them <laughs> off the books. Because, uh, what was it? John uh, Calipari Rose was, and Derek Rose. Yeah, Derek yeah, Rose had yeah. someone take tests for him and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that, that we, we don't remember that. But had it happened, that was the last overtime. So, Virginia, has there ever been a team, though, seriously, that has that has sort of not – and I don't take this the wrong way, uh, Wahoo fans, but managed to win games that they probably should have lost all along the way, like Purdue, say, in overtime. You give them credit for that, but, man, that was that took a – Last second shot to send it in overtime, and, and Purdue had that 1-1. One, one. Uh, fouled the guy intentionally. He, he makes you know one free throw, misses the second one. He gets batted out. They hit a shot at the buzzer, send it to overtime, and win. Or how about the Auburn game, right, when you foul the guy. The guy gets fouled on the three-pointer. Auburn's celebrating for about five or six seconds until they realize that somebody's blown a whistle, and the dude makes all three free throws, and, and you went, you went up uh, winning. Before this game, their last three games, they had won by a total of 10 points. How about last year you were the number one overall seed, lost to the 16 seed. You come mm-hmm. in this year as a one seed, and you were down to Gardner-Webb by 14 in the first half, but six at the, at the half. Yeah, in your it was going to happen again. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was absolutely going to happen again. So, 
Um, just a great job. And, of course, this goes back to, you know, Tony Bennett and the class he showed after mm-hmm. um, his team was, you know, eviscerated or what do you want to call it by uh, by a 16 seed. And, and, you know, he talked about uh, living with, uh, you know, a painful gift is what he called it. And they even mentioned uh, Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Uh, talked about in Tony Dungy, uh, you know, because Tony's always involved in these things. I don't know how he ends up being, you know, he's sort of like America's sports conscious, if you will. But he ended up uh, sending a note to Tony Bennett and talked about um, just the way he handled that and his faith and how how he maintained that. Faith is going to be a part of this podcast, by the way, here in just a minute. Um, but Bennett's done a nice job of bringing those guys back. And, and the thing you forget, though, about last year was DeAndre Hunter didn't even play in that game. Um, and he is a phenomenal player. He had only five points in the first half. He finishes with 27. Uh, he was spectacular, and um, you know, as was uh, Ty Jerome and and uh, and Kyle Guy and those guys. But uh, you know, it, they were trailing in overtime. Mm-hmm. And well, kudos it, it to Texas as, Tech from being down 10 oh, points multiple times in this game. Just kept coming, coming back. back. Yeah, yeah, they were phenomenal, and. I, I really thought they had him. I thought they had Virginia. They had the lead in overtime, and then they just couldn't get any stops. And um, and then, of course, down the stretch, 14-14 at the free throw line for Virginia, and they get it done. And uh, it was good to see uh, Tony Bennett. His father was a longtime coach, of course, at Wisconsin and other mm-hmm. places. He was so nervous he couldn't even go to the arena on Saturday. Yeah, he, he doesn't he gets, like to go to the games. He was at the regional, but he didn't Saturday stay in the hotel. Right, but he made it to the final, and it had to kill him. Uh, or damn near killed him, but his his son did win it. Uh, he still wouldn't go on that. Like there was one moment where I think they asked him to come down on the floor. He goes, "No, I don't want to do that." Um, <laughs> so he he kind of let his let his son have it. But it was it was a good. I mean, it was a really enjoyable uh, championship game. And and you know what? Somewhat somewhat refreshing. I mean, Virginia had never won, um, you know, a a Final Four before, and that was cool. It doesn't always have to be Duke and Carolina. You know what I mean? It was kind of it was kind of neat to see uh, see somebody else on top for a change. Yeah, I mean this was uh, the first the first time we had a first time champion since uh, Florida, I think in '06. Wow, yeah, that's right. Was, that's wow, uh, that's going way back. That's the last time it was a first time champion, and of course this yeah. was the first time two teams that had never played in the championship game met since '79. Right, which was Michigan State, Indiana State, Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. That was memorable. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some, some first out there. And, and I think Texas Tech has a, a fairly young team. They're going to be relevant for a while if they can keep their head coach from going to UCLA or someplace. Um, you know, How so about UCLA can't find a coach? Yeah, right? When did that become a tough program to, to recruit a coach Ooh. from? Yeah, talk about a program that's uh, hitting some rough times. Mm-hmm. Both I mean, in football and, ba- oh, yeah. and basketball. Well, yeah. yeah, Chip yeah. Kelly hasn't been uh, great out there either for football. No, not even a little bit, yeah. And it's a gorgeous place to live and go to school. I'm just here to tell you, man. It's in Brentwood. It's like, I mean, it is just, it's crazy how nice it is out there compared to where USC is. Well, and you get you know, to play your and, football games at the Rose Bowl. Right, right. And then you got USC is in central Los Angeles. But, um, but yeah, UCLA, uh, if they don't grab Texas Tech's coach, well, I don't know what they're going to do. But well, isn't uh, Rick sure Barnes be, the, the last I saw was Rick think, Barnes from yeah, Tennessee? Yeah, Barnes is was the a guy favorite, that, but. Yeah, that they were trying to recruit. After but. the $8 million buyout for – and I, I didn't get this. So they're trying to buy out um, uh, the guy for $8 million from TCU, Jamie Dixon. Mm-hmm. And they want the school to negotiate it down. Like, if I'm TCU, why would I do that? Why Why would I? 
Yeah, no, you know what? Don't give us as much money. We negotiated this contract with him, but I'll tell you what, we'll take half of that. I mean, why? Take our coach, please. No, it doesn't work that way. You're going to pay me every dime and then some. Yeah, Get your the only way together. you negotiate down is if you want to lose your coach. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Please we'll take him off our hands. We don't want to pay the rest right. of the contract. But uh, Take Mike, my wife, please. I, I wonder how those conversations, hey, uh, TCU's athletic director, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we're talking to Jamie Dixon. We'd like to hire him, but Sorry. there's this thing, this $8 million. Would you take four? Yep. <laughs> I sure, mean, deal. What are you getting in Sorry. return? I'd love to buy your house, but I'm not going to pay you what you want, even though it's not for sale. But how about this? You know, like, sure, man. Right. Yeah, I'll be happy to sell it to you. No, it's 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 sort of weird, but um, but I still think uh, I still think Texas Tech will have a tough time hanging on to their guys. But anyway, very enjoyable Final Four. Um, and speaking of faith, and we just did with Tony Bennett, uh, I want you guys to have a chance to listen to what I thought was fascinating. Uh, might be too too big of a word, uh, too big of an adjective. Uh, let's say somewhat revealing. Um, I think a different totally. look, a different look into his mindset. Yeah, a little. Yeah, there's there, there's a little bit of psychology that you can you can kind of read between the lines here with Jameis Winston. When Jameis Winston has set this up, the Bucks quarterback did an interview uh, with this face based podcast, um, and uh, the guy that did it, Jason Romano, used to be a producer at ESPN. In fact, I used to work with him all the time when I was on First Take and doing Cover Two and all that stuff back in the day. Uh, and he left ESPN to kind of follow his own path. He's a very religious guy. And so he, among the things he does is his podcast that combines um, sports and religion. And obviously there's a lot of Christians in sports and, you know, nothing wrong with that. You see guys talk about their faith all the time. Jameis has done that with us at times, you know, how blessed he feels to be the quarterback of the Bucks and have this opportunity to provide for his family and all that stuff. Um, but when you when you sort of, listen to Jameis you can kind of hear him talk about sort of the influences uh, that he had uh, and, and, and his, his attempts to pull away from some of those things um, that, that he has done and I'm not talking about specifically the trouble he got into um, but things like family and, and, um, and, and other distractions maybe uh, and just how you know he's tried to uh, he's always been somebody that was raised in the church um, and you know, from the time he was a kid, he was you know, part of a Baptist church, and his mom was one of eleven children, and and they they went to you know Sunday school and all that stuff all the time, and then he was at Florida State, he joined a church, and he was in a fellowship of Christian athletes and all that. Um, <clears throat> but there's a difference between you know knowing the word and actually walking it, and I think uh, you know with the changes he has made with his fiance having a son, he he speaks about that. But I wanted to give you guys. Um, a chance just to hear uh, Jameis Winston um, sort of talk about how he has uh, gone about the business of more or less changing his life as best he can through his faith. One, one great lesson that that I would that I would just pass along to every young person out there is, or anybody uh, that's that feels like that they can handle everything by themselves, that all they need is themselves and their sure will and, you know, and their confidence. I, I would disagree with that. You need someone to, to help accommodate you on the walk. Um, your source has to be in God and not yourself or not in any other human being. God has to be your ultimate source. 
And you have to have somebody to go on that path with you. Because having somebody to, to, to hold you accountable, having somebody to really pour uh pour their pour their lives into you, um, it helps you understand that true perspective of discipleship and a what a what a real friendship is. And it just helps you on your walk. Uh initially, like especially my first my first few years in the league, you know, I was trying to do this thing by myself, you know. Yeah. At, at times I was like, you know, I uh, I worked. I worked hard for this. I, you know, I, I, I did all the, you know, all the quarterback drills and all the different things like that to get here. You know, shoot, but not realizing, you know, that okay, God blessed me with this talent. You know, uh, I experienced different things growing up as a child uh, that helped me, that helped mold me uh, into. Uh, the man that I am now to the athlete that I am now. And uh, through those experience, through those experiences, uh, being alone, uh, Aeneas Williams said something so profound at the last uh, PAO conference. Uh, He said that the, the most experience is the most expensive and slowest way to learn. Hmm. And I was trying to use just my experience of I'm going to live my life and eventually I'll come around and not leaning on anybody else, you know, not having anybody else to hold me accountable. You know, just thinking, oh, it's just me. Not realizing, like, no, God God is the source. <laughs> he gave you all this. Everything that you have is his. It's not yours, boss. Yeah. So humble down, you know, uh, yes, you worked hard. But uh, he gave you the ability to do that. He 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 gave you the opportunity to do that. And there were there were people in your life uh, that helped you get to where you are at now. So um, and sometimes that's tough, Jason. You know, um, when when you when you you know have when you felt when you've been to that place where you were just alone and you know nobody was really for you. You can get that type of mentality and think like I am alone. I am doing it by myself. But again, when you have someone that's holding you accountable, that you know that's really asking you deep questions, that's not afraid to challenge you and ask you the tough questions. Not that's not afraid to to correct you when you're in the wrong. And you humble up and you listen to that person and you and you actually cherish their opinion. Or if you don't agree with their opinion, take something from what they said and apply it to uh, your your day-to-day life. It'll help. Really interesting comments by Jameis Winston. You know, it's not uncommon. I mean, a lot of players that I've talked to, um, they're drafted, they come into money. Um, you know, and if you get if you listen to the whole podcast, he talks about getting a routine, which is important for players. And if you don't have one, you end up sort of just kind of going with the flow. Guy asks you to go out one night, you do it. Guy asks you to go to his charity event, you do it. Um, at the expense of, you know, I know I've got to work out here. I've got to do this there. And, and so you struggle with that. And you also struggle with, you just heard him talk about, you know, play, uh, family members, friends asking for money, um, not wanting to turn them down and, and how that can cause a lot of stress. So uh, some of these problems are, are things that I think a lot of athletes and players go through. But with Jameis, um, look, I, I've watched him. He, he is not in many ways – not every way because I'm not with him 24 hours a day, but he is not the guy that walked in the building in 2015 
And clearly now being a father, I think he's taken very seriously and that changes a lot of people's perspectives. And, you know, he certainly has, you know, his, his fiance as well um, that lives with him. And so, you know, you hope that the experiences that he has gone through, as all of us do in life, make him better. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, I thought he, he was just very open and honest about this segment of his life. And and Jameis is a good talker. He's somebody that, you know, that knows sort of what you want and, and, and is a good interview in general. But uh, he seemed completely relaxed and at ease talking about um, his faith. And I thought it was just a different a different perspective um, about him and uh, and sort of his his life, at least at least with respect to uh, to his relationship, uh, uh, you know, with his faith. So, uh, interesting interview there uh, for him. Um, before we get out of here, Steve, uh, interesting. You know, you talked the other day about uh, Chris Archer starting the brawl after giving up a, a bomb, and uh, the dude sort of posed. Well, it turns out. There was might have been a reason why he sat there and admired his home run. Well, when Archer was a pitcher with the Rays and Dietrich was with the Marlins, Archer got the golden sombrero on Dietrich and celebrated rather demonstratively while leaving the mound as it was the mm. end of an inning. It all makes sense now. The golden sombrero, by the way, sounds awful. It's three strikeouts mm-hmm. in one game, <laughs> not yes. to be confused with, with something else. But I, I just think that – you're exactly right. You brought this up the other day, and now apparently they're playing actually uh, 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 little clips of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen you know gifs on the internet and Twitter, and yeah. you know seeing the you know, and and it was Chris Archer doing what he does after a strikeout, and he, you know sure. he gets excited and it ended an inning, and it was a big out, and I have no problem with it, but you can't have a problem with the guy hitting a home run off you and watching it. Well, so let me ask you this though. Um, l- let me spin this just a weird way because if we're going to say, well, that's just Chris Archer. You can't blame him for – I like emotion. Was this really raw emotion by this guy that stood there and posed, or is he actually trying to put some salt on Chris Archer then because he felt like he was shown up rather than accepting that the guy was excited about striking him out three times? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, may, may not, it may have been more premeditated. Right. I mean, you can't be Archer and take offense, though. That's well, your point. Yeah, my point is, is you know, if you're going to celebrate and – you know, presumably when you're going off the mound and flexing your muscles and celebrate, I mean, you're showing the guy up. I just got exactly. you out for the third time. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Well, he just took you, you know, into the Allegheny River and he watched yeah. it. Yeah. To be honest, that's less of a celebration than what Archer did. I mean, I'm not saying either one's better or worse. Just he sat there and watched it for a few seconds before he ran. Yeah. He didn't make any I think big cool. motions. No, I. Hey, if I could hit a baseball that far, I'd do the same thing. I, I, I listen. I never hit one that far, and I'm just telling you. If if I knew I hit one that was gone like that, to be able to stand there and watch it majestically sail out of the park, I'd have done it at any level, little league, high school, whatever. Just never thought I. I just ran like hell to first because I never thought the ball was ever going over the fence until it did. So yeah, I mean to be able to do that, uh, it's got to be a great feeling first and foremost. Then you might even add a little bat flip there too, you know, just for. Do a little, a little Joey extra. Batista, Bryce Harper. Yeah, a little Bryce Harper, spin it five times. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff, I think. But that's, you know, what do I know? I don't I don't buy all these rules in baseball that people follow. Archer's in a little bit of hot water, perhaps, for something else. Turns out a uh, little, little brown substance in the front of his, uh, of his shirt. That he kept that, tugging at during the game. And Chris Welsh and, from and, the Reds broadcast was pointing out. And pointed out very effusively that that's pine tar, folks. 
And and Welch did not have a problem with it, by the way, because he thinks they should be able to use it anyway. Yes. Um, but a, a very obvious spot where you would have, you know, on your jersey where normally it would be below the belt type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he kept reaching there between pitches. Yeah. Um, and pine tar helps you, especially because pitchers today complain the balls are very slick. Mm-hmm. And they're not rubbed down as well or whatever else. And pine tar helps you get a grip on the ball, particularly for breaking pitches. That's right. And it's a banned substance. And mm-hmm. it sure, I mean, from the still shots and some of the videos you see, it sure looks like it might have been. Yeah, I don't know how baseball goes about checking that. I, you know, if they didn't grab the jersey initially, I don't know what they do on that. But it'll be interesting because it, it sure seemed like it. Yeah, it did. And uh, like I said, you reap what you sow sometimes in this game. So uh, watch out who you throw behind um, if you've uh, got any pine tar in your belt. Um, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Diana Neros is going to preview the Tampa Bay Lightning's first-round matchup with the Columbus Blue Jackets at games at Amelie Arena, of course. And uh, speaking of the Lightning, you know, they just wrapped up a historical regular season, and now comes the quest for their cup. If you want to hang on to uh, history with a commemorative hardcover book, there's going to be a 160-page keepsake full of amazing photos from the Times photographers. Uh, we'll cover the regular and postseason. And if you pre-order now, you can save $10. Just go to boltsbook.com now and place your pre-order and save. That's boltsbook.com. So Diana Nero's tomorrow. The race continue uh, in Chicago against the White Sox. It's going to be Charlie Morton on the mound to go for the race. And the Bucks off-season workouts uh, resume over at uh, One Buck Place or whatever, whatever they call it these days. Uh, I guess it's Advent Health Training Center. Uh, I'll have a chance to go over there and talk to whatever selected players they make available, and we are getting oh so close to the draft. So there's a lot going on with respect to uh, the Bucks right now in their off-season program. And also, folks, we know you have a choice of uh, air conditioning companies to have it serviced or to buy some air conditioning, but uh, listen, you got to go see our friends at Millionaire. Howard and Sue Million have been doing this in the Tampa Bay area uh, for over 30 years, and so uh, they have the best quality service and uh, train air conditioning units and they will just hook you up uh, with a great offer uh, that they have going on right now so give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of their great offers right now 727-862-2100 trust the masters of comfort millionaire for steve versnick i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great tuesday everybody mm-hmm.